All right, well, some of you may want to know, I was in El Salvador this past week, and I had the chance to minister to a bunch of pastors, and guys, I'm telling you, it was an amazing experience, and I'll be sharing more about that over the coming months, but, but God did such an amazing work down there, and we had such an awesome opportunity to invest in these pastors who are, are pastoring churches all over uh, El Salvador, and, and uh, my heart uh, is to really pastor pastors and to really be able to, to, to invest in them. And, and so it was just kind of the beginning of, I believe, something great uh, down there in El Salvador. We've got a great partner down there. Her name's Janice Watkins, and, and she is doing some amazing things, which I said I'll talk about a little bit later on. But, man, she's a superstar. I'm telling you, she's got a vision for that country, and I'm so excited as a church to be able to partner with her and see what God is going to do. Um, because I don't know if you know this, but the name El Salvador means Savior. I don't know that. And so the, the prayer is, is that that would be true of that country. That that would be real, that that would be true. And so that's, that's our prayer together, and so I'm excited about that. All right, well, I'm going to jump in here today to talk about something called overcoming, uh, overcoming strongholds, but in particular this morning, I want to talk about overcoming addictions. Now, I know that this is one of these things that we don't always talk about in the church, you know, and, and, and we don't, you know, really speak forthrightly about some of this, and, and I think that's a, a problem. I think that's a, I think we do a disservice to people when the church and the, and, and, and the kingdom of God and the ministers of the gospel don't speak about addiction because the Bible has a lot to say about it. Matter of fact, I think the world sometimes gets it wrong. I just, I, I just want to be honest with you. I think the world gets it wrong, and I think God has something to say that we need to tune into. But before we get to that, we have to read our, our series text, which is coming out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, and it'll be on your screens as well, and you can follow along in your own Bible. But, but listen to this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. In other words, we don't use tanks, bombs, guns. You get it. He says, Paul goes on to say, he said, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Now, did you see that? Divine power. Not just regular power, but divine power. To demolish, say it with me, strongholds, strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension or pretending that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we, look at this, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Think about that. How many thoughts do you have on a given day? You know what I mean? And some of these thoughts are running away with you. They're taking your mind all over the place. And and, and God's trying to say to us, guys, you have divine power to overcome the strongholds and to take hold of these things that are taking hold of you and put them under the obedience and authority of Jesus and the truth of God's word. That is what we're talking about over these next few weeks because ultimately we all have some strongholds in our life. And, and you'll be like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, here's a definition of stronghold, so you kind of have a sense of what that is. But a, a stronghold is basically a prisoner locked by deception. A prisoner locked by deception. In other words, you've believed some lie, and that lie has become the basis for what you do. Now, if I said that to you, you'd be like, well, that's messed up. Like, I don't want to base my life on a lie. But so often we are, and we don't even know it sometimes. 
And that's why we have to get this right. That's why we have to understand what strongholds are. Is they, they really are uh, creating this deception in our life. It's living a life by something that's not true. And so what we have to do is we have to identify where the lies are and replace it with the truth. Where are the lies in our life? Where are the strongholds? Where are the deceptions that we've believed so that we can replace it with the truth, with the truth of God's word so that we can do all that God wants us to do and really be all that God wants us to be. But if we spend all of our time living with deceptions and lies, we're never going to be able to get to those places. And so I want to talk a little bit about how we do that in the area of addiction. Addiction is one of those things that honestly is common to human beings. I think so often we only talk about addiction from the point of view of, well, if you, you, you are addicted to drugs, alcohol, or gambling. You know, like we throw those, or those are like the big three or something, you know, or some kind of sexual addiction. It's like, yeah, we'll put those ones up there, and those are the big ones, and, and if you've got those, then, you know, those are real bad addictions, right? And, and I just don't see that. I mean, do they sometimes wreak more havoc in people's lives? That can be true. Sometimes the impact and the effect on others can be true. Sometimes on our body, it's true. But, 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 but the reality is, is that we all have, all, we all have some addictions, I don't know if you know that yet. I don't know if you've gotten honest in your life yet about where you are and some of the things you struggle with, but addictions are common to people. They just really are. And I'll, I'll just give you just a basic definition of addictions, a working definition to help us, because I, I think sometimes we, we don't get this right. But here it is, is, is anything, listen to this, anything that I do that I don't want to do, but I won't stop doing here, let me say that again. Anything that I do that I don't want to do, but I won't stop doing. That, my friends, is an addiction. That's something that's got a hold of you. That's a stronghold that you can't seem to let go of. And, and like I said, you've got the, the drugs, the alcohol, the, 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 the gamblings, whatever you want to say. But, but, but it also could be shopping, it could. It could be our finances. It could be uh, uh, fast food. I saw some article the other day that said, depending on the amount of fast food restaurants you pass on the way home determines how many times you eat at one. I thought that was interesting. So if you got a, a stretch of fast food on the way home, take a new route in Jesus' name. <laughs> That's going to help you. I mean, I'm just saying. But we're trained. I mean, the world is, is propagated on the idea of getting us all wanting more and more addicted to more things. And, 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 and it's just true. And, and sometimes I've even seen how hobbies can become addictions. They start off good. They're a good hobby and, and it's good and it's life-giving, but then it just starts to take over. And we start to replace the most important things. And then all of a sudden, it, it really starts to consume us. And, and the thing that we thought we could let go of, we can't let go of anymore because we just always want to do it and we, we just can't stop. Making sense. And so it's a lot more common than we think it is because all of us in this room have hurts, habits, hangups that we want to get rid of. There are things in our life we want to get free from. And here's the good news is that God wants to help us with that. But we have to understand what addiction is if we're going to be able to get free. 
Listen to this in Romans chapter 7. This is a great passage of scripture. It's the Apostle Paul writing. And, and he's writing about some of these challenges that we have. And, and, he, and he writes it this way. He says, so I find this law at work when I want to do good. Evil is right there with me. You ever felt that way? Like you've committed. You're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do good here. And it seems like evil shows up immediately and starts saying, do you really want to do that? Did God say that? Hey, you know, you're really tired, you know. You've worked hard. Yeah, you know, you know the stuff. And it, it, it starts to mess with it. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body. They're waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner. Look at this. Making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. And then watch what he says. He says, what a wretched man I am. This is the Apostle Paul talking about the tension, the battle that he's in. And then he ends with, what a wretched man I am. I think it's, it's like almost saying, I just don't like myself. You know, I don't like what I've become. I don't like that this thing has hold of me. I don't like that I can't get rid of this. And it's just, I just don't know what to do. And Paul is very expressive. And, and I suspect that many of us can relate to that. Why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep returning to this thing? It's just killing me. It's not helping me. It's not leading me to greater life. It's not leading me to the abundant life that God wants to give me. It's just putting me more into a prison. And so these are some lies that I think are true about addiction that, that we begin to believe. One is, is it becomes a part of my identity. It becomes a part of my identity. And, and I have to be really careful here because I know some of you have bought into some things that I think are kind of true, but they're not all the way true. And it's important you hear me there, is that they're, they're kind of true, but they're not all the way true. Because sometimes God will give us a step to get us moving in the right direction. And sometimes he uses things in this world to even get us there. But that doesn't mean it's complete. That doesn't mean that it's fully complete. And so, uh, you know, many of us have, have heard of step programs. And I'm a fan of step programs. I'm not against step programs. And so when someone is an alcoholic, sometimes they go to a meeting. They go to an alcoholic's meeting. And, and, and it's there that they learn the steps and they begin to do those things. And those are good things to do. They're very important things to do. And so I don't want to speak negative in that way. But at the same time, I want to say that I believe they're incomplete. Because, see, here's the thing is when I stand up in front of you for the rest of my life saying to you that I'm alcoholic or I'm a drug addict. My name's Daniel, I'm a drug addict. My name's Daniel, I'm an alcoholic. When I do that, what happens is I begin to internalize this into my life. And when I begin to internalize that into my life, what, what happens is that, <laughs> that I really become that. Come on, stay with me. When I, when I allow that to be the, the, the narrative that I keep saying over my life, that becomes what I am. I, I become that. I, I, actually, I actually start to say, you know, that's what I am. And, and here's the problem. I'm not saying that's all the way bad, but here's the fundamental problem. Listen to me, church. Listen, you got you to gotta tune in on this. You got to hear me. Is that in God's sight, you are not what you've done. You got to hear this. So there is a, there's some good to it. But you're not what you've done. You are as God sees you. Not as the world sees you. Not as people see you. Not as a, a group of people see you. A meeting of people see you. You are as God 
sees you, and the past that you have or had is not the future that God sees for you either. And it's important. And so my, my point is, is that we, we can't allow the addictions of our life to identify us differently than God identifies us. Never call something that God said was this something else. Don't ever do that. And so my point here is that we've got to understand that sometimes it gets a hold of our identity and it twists us and it contorts us and it, it doesn't lead us to the freedom. It might lead us to behavior modification, but it won't change our heart. And the only person in this world that can change your heart is Jesus Christ. That's it. And I'm telling you, you get the heart thing changed, the behavior stuff works out. That's just how it works. That's, that's why sometimes in our lives we keep going back to it because we're only tweaking the behavior. We're not tweaking the heart. We're not working on the heart. Because, see, the heart is the very foundation that God works in. And then he frees us from that point, from the inside out. Here's another lie that I think sometimes comes into our life is when I try to quit, when I try to quit uh, but fail, I, fee I feel increasingly hopeless. Isn't that true? Like when you make a commitment and you can't follow through and you're like, you keep going back to that thing, you just start to feel hopeless. And, and, and you almost feel like, I can't get any better. And as my mom used to say, she would always say, is, can't never good do nothing, could he? I hated that when she'd say that. She's right, though. If you start with can't, well, can't never could do nothing, could he? That's country for you, people. Can't never could do nothing. And that's true as we start to buy into this lie that, that, that I can't overcome. I can't do this thing. There's no way out. But here's the truth. The resurrection of Jesus Christ says there's always a way out. Jesus says that because I overcame sin and death, your situation can be overcome because of what Jesus has done for you. Not in your power, but as in his power. That's the truth. And so sometimes these lies get a hold of us. Any threat to my addiction sometimes becomes a threat to me. That's why like when good friends show up and say, hey, you know, you might be doing a little too much of this. And you go, what? Huh? You might be, what? I'm a grown man. What are you talking to me? You know? You ever had your kids look at you and say, hey, daddy, why are you doing that? Mama, why are you, what? You're like, child, you sit there and shut your mouth. I'm a parent. We get defensive, don't we? We do. We get defensive. And the people that love us the most sometimes come to us and say, hey, 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 hey. And you're like, I don't have any, I don't want to hear none of that. We somehow start to defend it. We, 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 it really starts to threaten who we are. That's a problem because what's happened is that it's become a part of your identity now. When something becomes a part of your identity in, a, in an addictive way, that's a problem. And that's why we get so defensive. Here's, here's another one is I begin to lose my life. I, I begin to lose my life. I begin to think that I've gone too far. There's no point. There, I can't get back. And sometimes depending on our age, sometimes you're like, man, I screwed it up so bad. I'm, I'm all the way down the road and I, I, I just, I, there's just no point. That's just not true. If you're breathing, God's still working on you. And he's got more to do. And all the things that you've done, he can deal with. This guy, God created the world. He created you. 
He, he knows everything. You don't think he can't deal with your stuff? You don't think he can't take your ashes and turn them into something beautiful? That's what he does. That's, that's his business. He takes the broken things of our life and turns them into beautiful things. The things that were intended for my harm, he says, I will turn for your good. Guys, that's the God we worship. So don't ever give up on that. Don't ever think that you're too far gone or, oh, I wish I was younger. The, the best years of my life are behind me. No, God says the best years of your life are ahead of you. Some of you have, some of you have bought into this lie that you're at, that you're at a, a certain age right now that you're like, well, I don't know what else to do. Look, let me help you. I know this for a fact. Some of the most productive years of your life are going to come after 50 and 60. You, are, you, have, you have seeds that God has been caring for that are actually going to come to full bloom in your 50s and 60s if you don't waste your life sitting on a beach doing nothing. But if you'll get in there... You'll get out. I'll retire, but I'm going to retire to build the kingdom. I'm going to help people, all these young people. I'm going to invest in and love on and, and show them the way. And guys, you've got a purpose and a plan. And wherever you are today, God has something for you. He's going to take you to the next, that next place. Don't ever believe the lie of the devil that is trying to convince you that it's over. God is always able. He's always able. Whew, I'm preaching good today. One last thing on addiction is I, I ease the pain by getting my next fix. Here's the problem. Is it just, it doesn't stop. It just masks it. And we all know what it's like to say no to something, come back to it, thinking it's going to do something for us, and then feel the, the, the shame on the other side of it. And guys, let me tell you something. The, the devil always overpromises and underdelivers. The things that you think are going to be good on the other side aren't going to be good on the other side. They might be good for a moment, but I guarantee you on the other side, you're going to feel it. And it's a cycle that he wants to keep you in. Because if he can keep you in that cycle, he can destroy everything that God wants to give you. Hear me now. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy every good thing God wants to give you. That's the cycle. And because of Jesus Christ, I can break out of that cycle. You can be free. And my friends, that's, that's good news. And so today I want to talk to you about how we overcome these addictions. How do we get free? How do we begin to break free? Because God wants you to be free. Listen to this in Romans 7, 24 and 25. And I'm reading out of the message, but, but listen to this. As I've tried everything and nothing helps, is what he says. You feel, have you ever felt like that? I've tried everything. But nothing helps. He says, at, I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who, who can do anything for me? Isn't that a great question? He says, isn't that a real question? The answer, thank God, look at this, is that Jesus Christ can and does. That's the scripture. He acted to set things right in this life. Did you hear that? He acted to set things right in this life. Because see, sometimes we just think it's for the next. God, God, salvation is for the next. Freedom is now. 
Freedom is what God wants to give you now. That's what he wants you to have. And so he acted to set things in this life from contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. I'm just, I'm, I'm pulled in all kinds of directions. And here's the thing that I've done. As, I, as you go through the scriptures and you begin to look at biblical and theological and horse, uh, historical kinds of concepts uh, in the scripture, there's this, this phrase that, 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 that basically I think takes us to the place of helping us understand what this is all about. And that's this phrase, held captive. Get this, held captive. Because see, that's what addictions do. They hold us captive. But if you, you really dig into that word a little bit more, what it really comes down to, if you get underneath it, you open up the hood and you look inside a little bit and you see what held captive is all about, it's really about this word that, that's kind of a scary word and usually we think of like little golden statues, but it's idolatry. Get this. Because usually we think of idolatry as something outside of ourselves. You know, we look at something that's a little a God that somebody's worshiping or, you know, and, and, and I get why we think that. But the Bible talks very clearly about idolatry in a different way. But listen, listen, I think this is a good definition. Idolatry is anything that we allow to sit on the throne of our hearts other than God. Idolatry is anything that we allow to sit on the throne of our heart other than God. And so whatever that is in our life, whatever is on the throne of our heart other than God, the Bible would define as idolatry. And I know that that's a scary word because, because what it is is that I have worship towards that thing. I have passion. I'm almost obsessed with it. I want it so badly. That's what he's talking about. That's what idolatry can do to us is that we basically take where God is supposed to be sitting in our life and we replace him with that thing or even with that person. And it becomes the very thing that, 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 that takes over our lives. It takes over our heart and we become addicted to that thing. And so here's a, just a simple question if you're writing it down. And that is, who's on the throne of my heart? Like, have I replaced God in any way? Are there areas in my life that, that I've allowed to become way too important? Way too important? That, they, they, that it's really not about God anymore? Or that maybe my heart is moving in the wrong direction. And here's the thing is that we always become a slave to whatever is on the throne of our heart. It's just true. And so who, who, who in here needs to say, hey, you know what? I need a new king. I need a new king on my heart. This thing that I've allowed on my heart, this, this, uh, this habit, this hurt, this thing, whatever it is, whatever I've allowed on my heart, I've got to, I've got to replace it. I've got to get Jesus back on the throne. Because if he's not on the throne, then I'm all messed up. I'm just going to be all messed up. But here's the good news. Here's the good news in Romans 8. Come on, listen to this. This is one of the best places in Scripture. I mean, I'm telling you, it's the best. It's one of the best. Listen, Romans 8, 1 and 2. This is therefore. Therefore. Now, remember, this is after Romans 7. Romans 7 is where he's like, man, I'm twisted. I can't get here. I can't get there. I feel torn. What a wretched man I am. Yeah. Romans 8. So good. Here it comes. You ready for it? You ready? Here it is. He says, therefore, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Guys. That's 
I would have dropped it down, but I broke it. I didn't want to do it. There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Even with all my struggles, even with the things that I get hung up on, God still is with me and for me. And just because I'm not free doesn't mean I'm not saved. But why live any more of your life not being free? If you could. And so, so there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free. Has set you free from the law of sin and death. My friends, that is some of the most beautiful stuff that's ever been written in Scripture around a guy that understood the pain, the challenge of life. And he was able to spin these words because they're God's word for you and for me. And so if I'm ever going to be able to overcome my addictions, number one, I have to do this, is I've got to put God first in every area of my life. You starting to see the theme? I've got to put him first. I've got to get him on the throne of my life. And you're like, like second or third? No, first. And God's been on me, and I've gotten a little lazy sometimes. You ever get lazy in your disciplines? Am I the only one? Yeah? All right. I just didn't know. But... I have found myself in the morning sometimes, instead of reaching for the scriptures, I might reach for my phone. Guys, I'm not even saying that. Like, God's not mad at you. He's not, like, going to smite you with lightning because of it. But it's just subtle. If God is first in my life, then I need to reach for the right thing. First. Even if that's just me getting on my knees and saying, Jesus, I need you today. Before my feet hit this, <laughs> hit this floor, I need you. I'm putting you first. And it's simple. It's just a simple thing. But God was just showing me that the other day. I was like, man, you, you're reaching for this thing more than you're reaching for that. I was like, we got we to gotta fix that. Because, see, God's supposed to be first, not second, third, or fifth. You know, not, not coffee, this, this. You know, I, you know what I'm getting at. You know, your order. Put him in. See what happens if you do it. See what happens. See how he meets you. But, but we've got to put God first in our lives if we ever... And see, that's really the definition of salvation is putting God first in our life. Putting God first in your life. And sometimes what happens is we do all these other things after so we get saved. We get saved, but then we start to do all these things and we forget our first love. We start, we start working for God and, and, and we're, we're gung-ho, but man, we're not spending any time with the God we love. He has to be first because if not, guess what will happen? He will be replaced on the throne of your heart. And that is what happens. And it sometimes can be very subtle. Exodus, listen to this, Exodus 21 through 3. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. No other gods before me get it you get it you're smart so that's why we have to look at our hearts and say god what have i allowed in there that's keeping me from your best first peter 3 through 15 or i mean 3 15 says but in your heart set apart christ as lord we got to give god first in everything everything 
every other God in our life, every other spot of idolatry in our life has to bow its knee to the God who is worthy of our praise. He is the only one that can sustain and carry our worship. Everything else in this world will collapse under the weight of our worship. Do you hear me? Your worship will collapse everything, every person that you put it on. No person in this world was designed to carry the worship that you are called to give to God. It will crush them. You hear me? It's important you see this. God is the only one that can do it. I know some of you are a little scared right now, but I'm trying to help you. I, I really am because we so often put these things on people. We put it on stuff and Guys, it's too big a burden. They can't carry it. God is the only one that can carry it. Number two, number two. Number two, you're with me. Say no to the flesh. I've got to put God first, and I've got to say no to the flesh. Because see, I don't know if you know this, but we are designed to be with God. But there are three parts of our being. The spirit, the soul, and the body. And if you'll get involved in the life ministry, you'll begin to understand this better. But what happens is when you get spiritual order correct in your life, when your spirit man or your spirit woman is strong, what happens is you're able to tell your soul, which is the seat of your emotions and all the things, the feelings, everything that's in there, okay? You're able to tell your soul and your body what to do. That's called spiritual order. That's how it should be designed. In other words, your spirit man or your spirit woman is so strong, you're telling your emotions, your feelings, everything in your soul, all of it, you're telling it what to do and to be under the authority of God. Same was true with your body. Come on, fast food restaurants. You're like, no, I got the Holy Spirit in me. I ain't stopping there anymore. Because your body wants to be fed, isn't it? It's just, I want to eat. And I want to eat what I want. And that's when your spirit man has to show up. Your spirit woman has to show up and say, no. I say no to you because I don't want my heart to explode. Anybody want that? I don't. We have to say no to our flesh. Amen. So Romans 6, 12 through 14, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that, that you obey its evil's desires. You hear that? Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. For sin shall not be your master. You are called to deny your flesh you're, matter of fact, you're not even called to work on it. Like, Pastor, Pastor, I'm going to work on it. No, that's not what I said. That's not what the Scripture said. It doesn't say work on it. It says kill it. You hear me? It's not like, hey, you know, I'm going to start working on it. No, it says starve it to death. Because if you do, I know this is graphic, I know. But if you play with it, it will eat your lunch. You can't. Your flesh will always get you if you let it. You have to kill it. You have to starve it. You have to get rid of it. Listen to this in Galatians 5.24. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. Crucifixion, that's pretty, that's pretty graphic. 
He's saying get rid of it. So, so listen to this. What I starve dies. The areas of my life that I'm allowing on my heart and over my life, those are the things I've got to starve that aren't God. I've got to starve them because I don't want them in my life at all. I've got to get rid of them. I've got to close them down. And with God's help, I can. So I've got to put God first. I've got to say no to my flesh. These are important. And then number three, I've got to go all in with Jesus. I've got to go all in because I can't do it without him. Guys, if you try to beat this on your own, you will get whooped. I'm just telling you, you know it. You've tried. You can't do it without him. God has to be at the very center of it because it's only through his power that you can overcome the sin that so easily entangles us. Listen to this in Romans 12 too. It's so beautiful. He says, fix your attention on God. Fix your attention on God. Not on the thing, not on the purpose, person, but fix your attention on God. And look at this. You be changed. You'll be changed. How? From the inside out. You're not going to be changed by the outside in, by the body, the behavior modification. No, no. Inside out. Heart out is how it's going to happen. When Jesus becomes the one that sits on the throne in my life, these things can be real in my life readily recognizing what he wants for you and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. Come on. I, my heart has been so grieved this week as I look at our culture and I look at our world and how we call things right that are wrong. And all, we should weep and repent over the things that we see happening in our world on behalf of those that can't. There is a right way. And God has very clearly showed us it. And sometimes we just are dragged down to the lowest common denominator of immaturity because everybody's doing it. My friends, I don't want to be that. I want Jesus on the throne of my heart. I hope you do as well. I'll tell you this. If you don't get him there, you're not going to get free. You're not going to get free. But God wants you free. And look what it says here at the end. God brings the best out of you. God brings the best out of you. Just, just take that in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for bringing the best out of me. And then he says, develops well-formed maturity in you. And so, what I starve dies, but what I feed thrives. What I feed thrives. And my heart for you and for me is that we would feed the very things of God. And then you'll see these things thrive in your life at such a level that your spirit man and your spirit woman would get so strong that you'd start to tell your body and your soul what to do, that they wouldn't be pushing you around in your own house, that you'd be saying, no, no, you sit down and you listen 
You listen to what God has to say about that. You listen to what the word of God has to say about that because that's the way I'm going. I'm not allowing anything else to come in between my relationship with God. Man, come on. There's no halfway. No halfway. Go all in. Go all in with God. And he'll meet you there and he will do an amazing work in your life. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you that what we feed thrives. I thank you that what we starve dies. I thank you that, that you very clearly told us what we should do and we got to put you first. We got to put you first. And, and, and so right now, guys, I, I just want to ask you, is he first? Is he first on your, is he sitting on the throne of your heart? And some of you, he's been there before and you've, you've just kind of replaced him over time or it's just kind of slowly eased off. But, but God wants to be first. And some of you have never, ever in your life put him there. So, so let's just get it right today. Let's go all in. We all want to be free, so let's just go all in. And the way that we do that is we just repent and we ask God to forgive us. He comes in and he gives us what we need to be able to do that. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I just want to ask you, is he the number one? Is he first in your life? Is God first in your life? Is he on the throne of your heart? And if he's not, I want to give you a chance to respond to that. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I believe that God wants to meet some people here today and set you free. And it starts with this. So I'm just going to ask you if you would be willing as a statement of faith to just simply say, God, I, I want that. I want to go all in. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand up on the count of three. Just go ahead and raise it up. I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Go ahead. Raise it up. Come on. Don't wait. Good. Good job. Good. Who else? Don't wait. Put him on the throne. Come on. Good. 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 Okay. Good. You can put your hands down. Church, I just want to pray for those people that said they're all in. And so can we pray with them as well? Let's all pray together. But just pray this prayer if this is what you want. Lord Jesus, I want to make you number one. Will you forgive me of my sins? I repent. I turn. Will you change me from the inside out? Sit on the throne of my heart. I give you my life. In Jesus' name.